One of my favorite kids' books is written by Jane Cohen Fletcher, who was a Peace Corps worker in Africa for many years. And since I have a five-year-old, I read a lot of kids' books. But in this particular book, it's about a little girl named Yemi. And she's getting ready to go to the market with her mother. And she keeps telling her mom all the way there, let me take care of my little, bre- my little brother, Koku. Uh, her mom had to sell some mangoes and finally just gives in and says, okay, keep a close eye on your brother. And Yemi keeps saying, I'm going to watch him all by myself. And their day at the market sounded and started really good. Uh, Yemi was making sure he went to the different stands and making sure he had enough to drink, making sure he was right there. But Yemi had a little bit of uh, money in her pocket and she bought some peanuts, turned her head for just a little bit of a second And you probably can guess what's happening. She can't find her brother anywhere. And she starts to worry about, what if he's thirsty? What if he's hungry? And it's his nap time. Like, what are we going to do Uh, if he misses his nap? What if he's lost and has wandered out? And Yemi realized that watching her little brother all by herself has turned out horribly. And she's feeling all of the stress and anxiety. And when I read that story... I, it's not hard to put my, myself into her, into her shoes. And I, I keep jumping to my experience as a, as a youth pastor. Um, uh, being a youth pastor with, with sixth through eighth graders or high schoolers uh, for a good 16 years or so, I saw a lot of cycles go through uh, sixth graders graduate to eighth grade or, or high schoolers graduate Um, high school, and when they would graduate our youth program, it was heartbreaking to me. When these kids would graduate church, at the same time, they moved up to another level. And um, I tried so many different things to hang on to them, and every convoluted, like, okay, if we make them volunteers, they have to come back. Um, Because I wanted to make sure that, that their faith wasn't just something that they did at a summer camp, or on Wednesday nights until they went off to college. It's been a continual challenge, and and it's a kind of a niche world, but in the youth ministry world, this has been a conversation for 20 years now. How can we ensure that that we're passing on our faith to the next generation? How can we ensure that, that, that our young people continue to go back to church even when they don't have to? And it's uh, not, not something that we argue about, that our culture is continually shaping us. Uh, at the conscious level and the subconscious level. You know, I, I mentioned my five-year-old earlier, and uh, uh, we were driving the other day, and I realized that this kid can point out a Tesla from like a mile away. Uh, at a stoplight especially, he'll go, oh, look, Dad, there's a Tesla. And it, it'll take me 30 seconds to find it. And I'm not even a car guy. Like, I know what they are, but it's not something that we talk about at home. It's not, some, it's not a regular part of our conversation until he brings it up. It's like the culture, the brand recognition, and all these things that people talk about, it's a real thing. Not to mention the morality that we absorb from media and, and conversations and, and people in the neighborhood. Like This is a dynamic that's real, uh, and it's not new. Like there's been this feeling uh, for generations, and and the, like it's one of the one of the things that happens. Like as I get older, now I'm realizing, like whoa, uh, listening to my kids and their friends, like I'm feeling old. 
Or I caught myself the other day saying like, well, when I was a kid, I didn't do that. I was this or that. (laughs) I was respectful. I was like, oh no, I've turned into that guy. So we have this dynamic of the culture shaping our the generations that are coming after us. And we also have to deal with the dynamic of, of sometimes learning. It feels like speaking a foreign language when we're interacting with the generations that are coming along behind us. I love this quote that sums up the generational differences. It's, uh, the children now love luxury. They have bad manners, contempt for authority, They show disrespect for elders and love chatter in place of exercise. Children are now tyrants, not the servants of their households. They no longer rise when elders enter the room. They contradict their parents, chatter before company, gobble up dainties at the table, cross their legs, and tyrannize their teachers. That quote is from Socrates, who lived 400 years before Jesus. So we're not the first generation to deal with uh, these, these intergenerational dynamics and not the first generation to want to pass on the, the best and, and see our kids uh, follow Jesus. So today, I want us to take a look at a public prayer uh, from the book of Psalms. We don't, we don't preach and use that as our teaching text very often here at Solid Ground, but oh my goodness, there's amazing stuff in there in here, and it's actually a prayer book. And a lot of these prayers were read uh, in front of a lot of people, and like our like our psalm today. So, uh, if you would navigate or turn in your Bibles to Psalm seventy eight, and as a reminder, our our sermon notes are on the free U Version Bible app, and you can find our sermon notes right there. So, let's jump into it. My people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from of old, things we have heard and known, things our ancestors told us. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power, and the wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children." So this is a prayer for the next generation. We just finished this series on the ancient paths, so some of this language might sound familiar to you. And and this prayer was a prayer like, we want to pass on God's wisdom to the next generation. And uh, when I read that, I think of the prayers that, uh, that I offer for the next generation. You know, before my kids were born, oh, dear Jesus, please let my, my child be healthy. And then my, our first child came home from the hospital and my prayer was, oh, dear Lord, help her to, to be healthy while I go sleep. You know, I was hovering over the crib. And a couple weeks later, my prayers changed to, oh, dear Lord, help my child sleep through the night, please. You know, as they grow, God, keep my kids safe at school. As they get sick, God, please heal my child. Please keep my kids safe. I've got a teenager now. <laughs> please keep my kids safe from bad influences. Uh, or, or you might pray, God, lead my kid to the right college, and God, let us win the lottery so we can pray for, so we can pay for it. Uh, Lord, lead them to a nice girl. Uh, Lord, save her from marrying a bum, a bad guy. Uh, Lord, can you please get my grown kids out of the house, please? 
Like we have all kinds of different prayers, that, and all of those are natural uh, and come from our life experiences. But as I read this, like, uh, I, I realize that people from all different kinds of backgrounds like, want their kids to do well. And, and they have a heart prayer, even if they don't know who they're praying to or if they're praying, like they have this impulse. But as, as we read verses one through five in this, it, it, it's, a, it's a realization to me that as followers of Jesus, our first priority is to pray things like this, first and foremost, Lord, may they know you. May they know you as savior and may they follow you. Prayers like, God, reveal your kingdom to my child. Like when I pray for my kids, I, I pray that God will give them a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. Because in my experience, that's an acquired taste. God, make yourself real to them. Those kinds of prayer, those kinds of prayers for the next generation. And whether you have kids or not, whether you have grandkids or not, there's something in here for everybody. So I want you to stick with me because this is our pro- top priority is to pass on God's ancient wisdom, God's path, the teachings of Jesus of the best way to be human and the best way to function in this world, it's our responsibility, all of us, to pass this on to the next generation. And we all have a part to play in this. So please don't check out if you aren't a parent right now or a grandparent right now. Uh, The psalmist continues in verse six. So the next generation would know them even the children yet to be born. And they, in turn, will tell their children. Then they will put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. So in summary, like it's our job to pass on uh, this, this, this faith to, our, to the next generations. And the way we do that is we teach them and we tell them. So, so let's take a moment just for a second of, of how we teach them and tell them. Because I don't think anyone uh, watching this is thinking, no, we don't need to do this. Oh, passing on our faith isn't, isn't the, uh, uh, that's just not something that, that I think is important. But uh, what I do want to say and, and point out today is that we all have a, pri- a, 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 a responsibility for this. This can be a priority for us. And when you think about it, you might think, oh, I can't be a youth pastor. I don't play the guitar and ride a skateboard and say, dude. Or, oh, I, I can't be in kids' ministry. I don't want the babies and this and that. Like, I want us to all expand our thinking about the way that we, that we approach kids' ministry and youth ministry and see that all of us have a part to play. And I grew up in the 80s and, and for... The, the history of youth ministry, ever since specialized kids ministry and youth ministry existed, it looked something like this. There was one circle. It was like the big church. <laughs> that's where the grown-up, that's grown-up church. And then there was a smaller circle that was a kid's church and a smaller circle that was youth ministry. I call this Mickey Mouse youth, Mickey Mouse youth ministry because there's three different circles and they're apart. And there's a lot of good things that happened with specialized kids ministry, amazing things. I'm a product of youth ministry. But a lot of times, those, that separation contributed to what we've already talked about, people graduating church when they graduate high school and leaving their faith. And what I'm wanting to move solid ground to is a more integrated, where all the circles 
are inside of each other. Yes, we still want to have kids ministry on Sunday morning. Yes, we want to have youth group. But for for these young people to grow up seeing the church as not big church, like it's one of my dreams uh, to, to hear one of our youth say to their friends, like, oh, hey, you want to come to youth church with me? You want to come to youth service? It's Sunday morning at 10 a.m. online. It's Sunday morning, 10 a.m. Uh, at solid ground. That's youth service to them. And yes, they can still have their life groups uh, Wednesday night, but like integrating them. I love that online and in person, we have integrate, we have teenagers a part of our worship. We have teenagers a part of our serving teams and, and kids like I want them to see that this is a place and in uh, the whole church where they can contribute and where they belong. And it's it's a it's a big change. But I think the less and less we think about kids ministry and youth ministry is something that we outsource to the teachers and to the youth pastors. I think we will approach this dynamic and actually um, address it in a holistic and healthy way. So uh, I want to tell you my story. Like I had an amazing youth pastor. I grew up with uh, my grandparents close by and my mom close by and, and a stepdad who was a, a great influence in my, in my spiritual development. But even though I had this great family and, 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 a, and a heritage of the faith, I needed other people in my life to make sure that I wasn't just being a Christian because my parents were Christians. And as great as my youth pastor was, he wasn't even enough. Like I had other people in my life, like, like coaches that would pull me aside when I, noticed, when I gave them attitude or teachers, uh, but also at my church. I grew up in a church with, with a youth ministry, but also on Sunday morning, like they included the teenagers and they included um, the kids uh, as was appropriate. And, and that was wonderful from a programming standpoint, but our church, like we knew that the adults knew who we were. And I went to a big church, it was 2,000 people. So it wasn't just, oh, Mike, that's a small church where everybody knows each other, which is awesome. But in my church, like when I walked through the lobby, uh, adults, you know, whether they were, they were seasoned citizens or just young adults, they knew like, oh, hey, Mike, how you doing? And they knew what was going in my life. They knew what was going on. How was your baseball game this week? Or a uh, report card came out, how did you do? That kind of stuff. Those little micro interactions all compounded to help me realize, like, I belong here. Uh, I'm loved here. I'm seen here. And it wasn't just something that I went and endured. Like, I enjoyed the interactions. There was this one guy at my church named Carl. And we would tell us stories. He was in Vietnam. He was a Marine. And he would tell us stories about his time in the military. And I'll never forget uh, one men's breakfast, he picked up the big coffee container and put the spout under his mouth to all of us 13-year-olds going, what in the world? Got a big gulp of coffee, swallowed it. Goes, that's how Marines drink coffee. And we're like, what in the world? And it took us like two hours to figure out that the coffee machine had been unplugged for two hours, but it, was, it, was, it made an impression on us. And uh, he was really involved like in men's ministry and telling us all of his stories. And somehow, like it became a thing that us teenagers, we would try to like sneak up behind him and wrestle him. And one day I got the courage to, to do this. And I, I ran up to Carl. I knew he wasn't looking. And I jumped on his back and tried to get him in a headlock. 
And that's the last thing I remember. I woke up on the floor, <laughs> arms and legs wide out. Uh, he, he flipped me over so fast that I didn't even know what hit me. And um, even though he never preached a sermon, uh, never he wasn't involved in the youth group, never even drove us to summer camp or anything like that. Just my interactions with Carl, uh, crazy Carl, we would call him, like, uh, it helped contribute. Like everyone has something to contribute to this. Uh, and as you reflect on your own story, like what factors contributed to your Christian journey? Uh, what, what factors, maybe you've never even thought of this. Like it may be just those little nudges along the way. Youth camps are great. Youth night, Sunday school in the morning, kids church. Yes, that's all part of it. But if it's just that, um, it's like the research even. There's this research that came out from the National Study on Youth and Religion, and it found three major factors that contribute to a lifelong faith. And the first one is that the young person's parents practice their faith in the home and in daily life, not just in public settings. I read that and was like, oh, I need to do a checkup. I need to make sure that my kids see it at home. Like that's the biggest factor in kids uh, engaging in a lifelong journey with Jesus. And the second is that the young person had at least one significant adult mentor or friend other than their parents who seriously practiced their faith. And the third one is that the young person had at least one significant spiritual experience in their life before the age of 17. You know, as I reflect back on my my own story. I remember uh, like being able, like, like we do at Solid Ground, like there would be a call. Like if you have a prayer request, come on down and, and we would love to have a prayer partner pray with you. Like we do online. If, if you have a prayer request, let us know in the chat or, or private message. And I remember going through, I forget exactly what the scenario was, but I was a shy kid, 13 years old. And uh, I, I, know, I felt like a nudge in my heart, like I'm carrying this. And if I go down front and pray with somebody, I won't have to carry this alone. And uh, as a 13-year-old, it took all my courage to get out. And I knew everyone was looking at me. And I remember going down and praying with the prayer partner, telling them what my request was. And I can't explain exactly what happened. It wasn't like a, a charismatic church or anything, but it, I had a, a supernatural Holy Spirit experience as they were this loving adult. I don't even remember their name. This loving adult listened to my prayer request and locked hands and we prayed together. I could tangibly feel the weight lift off me. It was like a cork had been taken out of a bottle and all this worry and anxiety and, and awkwardness just being poured out. And in its place, the confidence and peace and, and, a, and a rest was poured in. Like, that was an amazing, maybe for you it was summer camp. Uh, maybe for you it was uh, having a, a, an altar call at Sunday school as a young child. But these experiences are massive and they're so significant uh, to, to making sure that, that our kids uh, stay on the right path. So... Uh, secondly, like this, these things, and, and facts don't change things, but I'm trying to lower the bar for us um, uh, because yeah, these things are pretty simple and kind of like, duh, like, yes, <laughs> the, the kids will follow Jesus if we practice what we preach at home. Uh, yes, 
of course, people need at least one adult in their life who knows God outside of their family. Like, yes, yes. But I talk to so many people when it comes to kids ministry and youth ministry over my, my entire adult life now that say, oh, I would join the kids team or I would join the youth team if I knew more of the Bible. And I totally get that apprehension because, you know, kids, they will ask you questions that you do not know. I know that. I knew that as a youth pastor. As a kid would find some random passage in a, in a minor prophet somewhere and say, what does that mean? You're like, oh, and I would have to model for them. Well, you know what? I'm going to have to refresh myself on that. Why don't we both go back and do some research and talk about it next week? And you know what? It was okay. That, the young person actually said like, oh, yeah, that sounds great. But I, what I often tell people is, okay, you may know this much of the Bible, but the kids or teenagers that you're working with probably know this much. And guess what? There's a gap there. Like you, you don't have to know everything. You don't have to be the expert and you don't have to be the stereotypical cool kids worker or youth worker to make an impact on a young person's life. Some of the, the best, most effective kids ministry teams that I've worked on had a significant number of people on the team that were 25 and a significant number of people on the team who were over 55. Like, because we need each other. And the kids can get something from someone who's over 55 that's much different than they can get from someone who's under 25. And the under 25 year olds have a lot more energy than those of us who are over 25. Like, it, like healthy teams and healthy churches, it takes everybody. And we can't just continue like outsourcing like so many times, even as a parent, I get this. So there's no guilt or shame for you parents or grandparents listening. Like we think that, okay, if I just get my kid to summer camp or to youth on Wednesday night or to kids church on Sunday morning, that that will fix everything. Like those are important, but they're not the silver bullet. Sometimes if we think, okay, if, if I just watch what my, my kids that take in as far as media and social media and all that. Please watch that. Please keep an eye on that. But it takes, that's part of it, but it takes more than that. It takes placing our kids in environments where, where they're known, loved, surrounded, uh, safe, and, and seen as part of the community. Like there's no substitute for being planted in a church. There's no substitute for having uh, the kid grow up with people like, like I grew up like with, Crazy Carl, my youth pastors, um, uh, people I worked with, and all those brief interactions. And, and you have a part to play. Like I said before, you may not be the youth pastor or on the kids team, but noticing these kids, and, and I like to call it sitting on the doorsteps of a kid's life, and they know you're there. You don't have to barge your way in. You don't have to fix them in one conversation, but just knock on the door. Hey, how you doing? Uh, know their name, know a couple things about their life. And if you sit on the doorsteps long enough, and if you're a safe person, because kids and teenagers can smell a rat a mile away, if you patiently build trust, they'll open the door eventually. Uh, or, or maybe uh, you'll make them feel safe enough to where they open the door for one of those youth ministry or kids ministry experts. But speaking as a former youth pastor, I need your help doing that and creating this environment where kids are safe and seen and loved. So uh, you may not want to be a kids worker, though we need them. That's totally fine. But you do have something to contribute. 
names, greeting, phone calls. Uh, and one of, the, one of the ways we can encourage um, and, and help out when it comes to this dynamic of, of putting kids on the right path is encouraging parents with kids. You parents with small kids, you need a little encouragement? <laughs> Say yes in the chat if you do. Grandparents, you have kids that you're taking care of or you're in a lot. Do you need a little encouragement? Yes, like when we see uh, these parents with small kids or teenagers just celebrating, saying you're doing a good job, you've got a good kid. If you see, uh, have people in your life, maybe they're not even a part of this church community. An incredible way, and I'm not just saying this to be self-serving, an incredible way you can contribute to the, the next generation following the faith is babysitting parents' kids so their parents can have a break. Do you remember the first factor? Uh, of, uh, of, of making sure that kids follow their faith, it's their parents can practice their faith at home. They can do that a lot better when they're not stressed out and when mom and dad are on the same page. I'm just putting tools in your tool belt and trying to expand our idea of what it takes to minister to this next generation. So let's do that. Let's think of it. Write down a, a couple, and it can be as small as sending a text message to a young person that you know, just saying, hey, just praying for you. Do you have a prayer request? Uh, it could be as simple as encouraging a parent or grandparent that you know. Like, hey, I'm praying for your kids right now. It could be small like that or all the way up to saying, okay, solid ground. I want to volunteer in kids ministry. I'm going to sgbic.com and I'm going to sign up right now. It could look like a lot of different things. But one thing we know from uh, Yemi's story at the beginning when she finally caught up with her brother, so filled with fear and anxiety about uh, what he was eating and drinking or if he'd be lost forever. She found out at the market that, that as he went around, everybody was keeping their eye out for this little kid. And they were giving him snacks, giving him drinks, letting him sit in the shade and take a nap when he got tired. And uh, she brought her, her brother back to her mom and told her what happened. And uh, Yemi's mom said, oh, he'll be fine because it takes a village to raise a child. You've probably heard that, that African proverb. And I think that's good, and there's a lot of truth to it, but I think it takes a church to raise a child. I think that's the optimal, optimal scenario. And that's why as we're moving forward, kids ministry and, and, and youth ministry at Solid Ground is our top priority. Like It's in our church's DNA from almost the very start we started a preschool, and we've made that a priority to reach this next generation. And just recently, just so you know, we've, we've adjusted some things in our budget, and we're currently looking for, to hire some, two people to make sure we have kids' ministry every single, every single Sunday, both in the nursery and for our big kids in SG, uh, in SG Kids, because we've got to make sure that this is a priority, and we're even putting our money where our mouth is. So if you hear of anybody, have them send their resume to sgpic.com. But uh, won't you please join me in continuing to pray about this, that, that God would position us. We are perfectly positioned as a church to minister to these kids. This is a perfect scenario, whether it's online or in person, to where we can encourage these kids and teach them and tell them and share our stories about what God has done for us. Now, one of my favorite quotes for Jesus from Jesus is, let the little children come to me. And I want to I wanna leave you with this scripture. These are the words of Jesus in Matthew 18, 3 through 5. Jesus says, truly I tell you, 
unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. So this week, whether it's in the context of our church community or just the people in your life, when you welcome a kid, when you take the time to look them in the eyes, speak life and truth into them, tell them what you see in them, you're welcoming Jesus. Like you, that's, it, it's like the same as welcoming Jesus. So uh, maybe right now you can just jot down a couple names of, of either parents or kids that you know and start praying for them and also start looking for ways that you can serve them and encourage them encourage them along their path. So let's pray for this as a, as a church family all together, this dynamic. So uh, right where you are, just I invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes and, uh, and join your heart to this prayer. Jesus, what an awesome responsibility. Um, God, will you please give us wisdom and strength uh, and energy to, uh, to, to minister to the next generation that's coming up. And, and as you guide us, as you put kids and, and parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles on our radar, God, will you use us for your glory so that we can teach the next generation um, all of the wonderful deeds you are and who you are and use us for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for spending some time with us this week. We hope you have a great week. So in between, uh, don't forget, you can always reach us at sgbic.com. We love to hear from you throughout the week and uh, we'll see you real soon. May the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine down upon you and may the Lord give you his peace. In the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, amen.